And some people, some Christians, uh, handle the Ten Commandments this way. And this is kind of the one, one of the things you might hear when it, when it comes to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are part of the Old Testament law. And says, I'm a Christian, I'm under grace. Uh, the commandments are irrelevant. While we agree we cannot earn our salvation by observing the law, the Ten Commandments play a key role in our relationship with Christ under grace. Uh, a Christian should never ignore or discount the importance of the Ten Commandments simply because they are a part of the Old Testament law. You know, the same Holy Spirit who inspired the, inspired the writers of the New Testament is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of the Old Testament. So why do we call the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments? Now, I know that may, may seem like a very simple question, but you would be amazed at what people think or say. I've heard this before. There are certain people that believe that the term Ten Commandments is simply a term that has been coined uh, by Christians. But what does the Bible say? And this is what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to read verse 28. So he was there, and this is speaking of Moses. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and he neither, he neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him, speaking of God, while he talked with God. So when Aaron, this is his brother, and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Now, I would too if some guy came down from a mountain and his face was just shining with a weird light. That would freak me out. But anyways, no one wanted to talk with him. No one wanted to get around him. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went before, in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil uh, until he came out. And then he would come out and speak with the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of, his, the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, speak to God. So God himself refers to this portion of scriptures, or when we get to Exodus chapter 20, which is one of the places where the Ten Commandments are given, uh, God himself calls these the Ten Commandments. They're not, it's not a term that is made up by Jews and Christians that we've assigned to these scriptures. This is what God says. And the, the reason why people don't like to hear that word commandment is what it implies, because it implies exactly what it's saying. A commandment is a divine law or a divine rule. As a culture, you know, we are becoming increasingly lawless. And what I mean by lawless, and in regards of what we see in the New Testament, it even talks about that there will be a time of lawlessness in the end. As we draw closer to the return of Christ, the, the culture will become more lawless. And we may think of that in terms of crime, and I think that's part of it, but I think the real, the real kind of uh, principle behind that is this, that once was what was right at one time is now wrong, what was good is now bad. And that's what we're talking about when it's a lawlessness. It's a departure from righteousness, what, what God assigns as being righteous. You know, even within the church, we've, we're becoming 
uh, more lawless. And uh, we see that taking more root even in churches today. And then, then there's this shyness away from what the scripture implies, again, to the commandments. We don't want to share the commandments because it might offend somebody. But church, can I tell you this? The, the word of God can be downright offensive at times. There are times where you could read the scriptures and it just rubs you wrong. And you know what? I, I, I've come to learn this throughout my, my Christian walk. Again, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a religious background whatsoever. But I know this, that when things start to make my flesh feel comfortable, that makes me feel uncomfortable as a believer today. You know, when my selfish desires and opinions, when they become muddied, and I think it's what the Word of God says, it makes me nervous. But I found this, when something rubs me wrong in Scripture, it provokes me or it challenges me, I've learned to welcome that and be grateful for that. And so we should never shy away from the importance of the Ten Commandments as Christians because of the obedience factor. Some people think that by obeying the Ten Commandments, it's an effort to earn salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. There's nothing further from the truth when it comes to abiding by the Ten Commandments. Remember, grace isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. All right, uh, meaning that since we are saved by grace, we should ignore our obedience towards the commandments. It, it's ridiculous to think the commandments can be ignored because Christians are under grace. In fact, the New Testament reaffirms the commandments and gives us greater insight into these commandments under grace. And we'll find that throughout this series. It's amazing how many times Jesus will mention one of the commandments, and he will give you even a stronger principle behind that commandment under grace. So, in fact, the New Testament affirms every one of them. Uh, when Moses came down from the mountain after receiving the Ten Commandments, the Bible says his face uh, shone with the glory of God. And on that mountain, God revealed to Moses his righteousness uh, and his goodness, and that resulted in the glory of God uh, manifesting on the countenance of Moses. Now, I've never seen this before. I've seen people have a glow, but Moses shone. You know, he, he I, how else to describe it? I don't know. He just, he radiated light, the glory of God. So why would something so good, so righteous, so holy, resulting in when Moses is in the presence of God, receiving the commandments, why would it be so wrong for us under grace? If, if something was good under the law, why is it wrong under grace? So under grace, we ought to look for the spiritual principles when each, within each of the commandments and follow them by faith. When Moses returned to the Israelites after receiving the Ten Commandments, again, his face just radiated with the glory of God. And this glory or this, this light caused uh, the Israelites to have fear. And I think we understand that. It, it, fear may, be not, may not be the right word for some of you, but strange strange. It would be strange that some guy went up on a mountain. We saw, we saw him 40 days ago, and then he comes back, and 40 days later, he has this weird glow. It would just be strange. It would, be, it would freak some of us out. And yet, Paul talks about this in the New Testament, that how, how there's a spiritual significance by what took place. Again, the whole reason Moses shined with the glory of God, because what was he was exposed to? He was exposed to the presence of God, the goodness of God, the righteousness of God. And this caused a manifestation on the face of Moses. Paul talks about this years later in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. 
But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, and it was, and it is, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which was glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not, Spirit not be more glorious? Paul is trying to help Christians to understand the glorious magnitude of both the New Testament and the Old Testament. When Moses received the Ten Commandments again, he radiated with the glory of God. So what does that tell you about the nature of the commandments? Well, it tells you that it's something righteous, it's something holy, it's something pure, and it's something that resulted in the glory of God manifesting in the countenance of this person. And Paul wants the New Testament believers to understand this about the commandments, that the magnitude of the commandment of the Old Testament, it's not that the Old Testament was bad and the New Testament is good. He wants them to, be, to understand the purpose of the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. In verse 13, this is what Paul says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. And look at this, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Paul says the, in Christ, as a Christian, as a believer, the, the veil that was put on the glory of the Old Testament is now removed. That it's not just commands, it's not just rules and regulations we, with it being unveiled, we can see the principles and the true nature behind the purposes behind the commandments. So it's, revealed, it's removed, the veil is moved or removed as we are in Christ. It goes on to verse 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Speaking of those who, who don't come to Christ, know the law but don't know Christ. Nevertheless, when, he, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in the mirror, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And we understand this, the Holy Spirit in us as believers is transforming us more into the likeness of Christ. That is the work, one of the work or in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is to transform us. You know, when we're born again and we receive the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't be the same person we was. Days, weeks, months, years later down the line, we should be becoming more like Christ, dying to our flesh, living according to the Spirit, becoming more like Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. So what Paul is saying is, the, the glory of the Old Testament is unveiled. So it's not just rules and regulations without the Spirit of God. It are these biblical spiritual principles that are now uh, uncovered and made in full view of the believers who have the Spirit of the Lord. Paul is not undermining the magnitude of the Ten Commandments, nor is he saying the Ten Commandments are obsolete. Paul is reminding us that we have an advantage as Christians over the Old Testament saints who did not have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not saying that the Holy Spirit is new to the New Testament. The Holy Spirit has always been. He is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. So, my point is this, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit was different in the Old Testament than it is today under the New Testament. You can find throughout the Bible the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. 
But in the New Testament, in Christ, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of redemption, because we receive him as Savior, we receive atonement for our sins through Christ, we can be recipients of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that, listen, that is not something that's confined to Pentecostals or Baptists or Methodists. But that is available to all believers. We should receive the Holy Spirit when we confess our sins, turn to Christ by faith. So the difference is, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would often come upon people, empower them, enable them to do certain things. But in the New Testament, in Christ, we understand we are recipients of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just doesn't come upon us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. So we have a, an advantage that the Old Testament believer didn't have. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we have a greater advantage. Again, prior to redemption offered by Christ, the Old Testament believer did not receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Christ and under grace, we have the help of the Spirit now to live out these commandments in righteousness. See, the law is righteous. It reveals the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. And Paul, Paul is pointing out the commandments without the Spirit become law. Have you ever tried to live according to God's word before you got saved and born again? It becomes a law. It becomes a burden. It becomes, it becomes difficult. And here's why. Because you can't do it on yourself. You can't do it by yourself. Because if you could do it by yourself, you could earn your salvation. We can't earn our salvation. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. We don't earn our salvation by living a righteous life. We live a righteous life because we are born again, because we have received the Holy Spirit. So in Christ, the law is not a burden. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, the law becomes life. There are plenty of self-proclaiming Christians out there who denounce the Ten Commandments as irrelevant for anyone who is in Christ and under grace. In doing so, they are ignoring the righteousness and holiness of God. And, and usually these people do so in order to justify their own sin. Listen, God is love. God is full of grace, full of mercy. But God is holy and God is righteous. And you've heard me refer to God in this way before. It's, it's sometimes we do this, well, God is love and God is this and God is that. But it's not that way. God, God is love. God is merciful. God is holy. God is righteous. He was equally the same. These people tend to be Christians who usually are just Christians in name only. Because I don't see how anybody, like myself, who didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't serve God, can give their lives to Christ, receive the Holy Spirit, and change them completely. And I'm not perfect, because trust me, just talk to my wife, there's a list. God's still working on me, right? And uh, I'm just saying, though, but over almost 30 years now, there's been a journey. There has been a change. There has been transformation, transformation taking place more and more, becoming more like Jesus. And that should be a, a, a consistent, natural thing that takes place in our lives as believers. But sometimes you have people that there is no journey. It's just up here. And then they, they try to serve the, the Lord. They, they read the Bible, and the Bible becomes burdensome to them. It becomes law, it becomes legalistic. And how can I live this way? And the answer is you can't without the Holy Spirit. And that was the whole part of the Old Testament was to reveal to the believer the help and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that you can't earn your salvation. Only with Christ, only with the help of the Holy Spirit can you live a righteous life. If these people had been born of the Spirit, they wouldn't be so worldly and maybe not make excuse for sins. But I don't know about you. Anytime I make an excuse for my sin, I feel conviction. 
And hopefully you feel conviction too, and that's a good thing. Any true believer and follower of Jesus who has been born of the Spirit ought to recognize the importance of the Ten Commandments. And listen to what Ezekiel wrote in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel writes this, I will give you, and this is speaking of a day in the future, uh, Ezekiel is prophesying about something that will take place in the future when he is speaking these things. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And look at this. Because of that, because he's taken out the heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh, and puts his spirit within us, look what it does. It will cause us then to walk in his statutes and to keep his judgments and to do them. Again, Ezekiel is prophesying about a day when a person would receive a new heart, a new spirit, and because of this, they could walk in God's statutes and keep his judgments. Now, I don't know what you call that, but I call that being born again. When you are born again, that takes place. And that's why we can live out the righteous requirements of the law under grace. We're not earning it. We're just simply, it's an outcome of our lives because it's been transformed by the power of God. Paul says, once we're a new creation, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit abides in us. He changes our hearts, our minds, our attitudes. And under grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can honor, we can respect, we can live out the commandments of God. And we don't have to keep the commandments to earn grace. We keep the commandments because we are born again. So if we are born again, we ought to recognize the holiness of God embedded in each of these commandments. And we aren't free or set free in Christ from the burden of the law. We are set free in Christ to live out the righteous requirements of the law. So we don't live by the letter of the law, which will always bring death. If you try to live by the letter of the law, it will always bring death. But we can live according to the spirit of the law. And that is the principle that is behind the commandment. This is why it's so important for Christians to identify as Christians to understand the importance of the commandments, not to just bypass them. It's Old Testament. has nothing to do with me in Christ. It has everything to do with you in Christ. The law to most people is a burden. And it's a burden because they don't have the Holy Spirit to help them to carry out the righteous requirements of the law. Listen, again, we aren't saved so that we must obey the commandments. We are, because we're saved, we have a desire to keep the commandments. What did Jesus say about the Old Testament and the law and the Ten Commandments? This is what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does, does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now again, this is what Jesus is speaking about of the law and the prophets. He doesn't condemn the commandments. He doesn't make them obsolete. And he warns teachers not to make light of the commandments. And if, if they do, there's a strong admonition against that. Listen to what Paul says to believers in Rome. And then I find this very interesting. Check this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So the law by itself could not fulfill the requirement of sin. And that's what Paul's talking about. People would try in vain, without faith, without grace, to earn their salvation. There was futility in that. And so what Paul is saying, now that Jesus has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law, he's paid for our sins, he has atoned for our sins with his blood, with his death, he has paid that for us, a person can never earn their salvation because it would not change their nature. But because Christ has paid for that penalty, we receive him by faith, we receive the Holy Spirit who gives us then a new nature, and then we can live out the righteous requirements of the law. And that's what he goes on to say here in verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, look, in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Again, if you try to fulfill the commandments in your flesh without the Holy Spirit, it becomes law, it becomes legalistic, it becomes a drag, and it just becomes religious. Why do I need to go to church? Why do I need to be a Christian? Because it's just a burden. I'm just better off without going to church and all that stuff. But when you have the Spirit of God in you, and He changes you, and He's working in your life, the law is not a a burden. It's not death. It becomes life. For those who live, verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Paul makes it clear, Christians who are born again, born of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, ought to live according to the Spirit, which results in this, church, life and peace. I don't know about you, life and peace, I'm all about that. Sign me up for that. I know what death and destruction is all about. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Give me life and peace. Our salvation is determined by Jesus, his finished work. Our faith in Christ is what provides us the opportunity to put ourselves into contact with the grace of God. And after we put ourselves into contact with the grace of God, we should receive the Holy Spirit. However, if we've not truly repented of our sins— and this happens a lot. People want to be saved, but they don't want to repent from their sins. It causes a problem. And we ought to have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. But again, if we aren't willing to repent, turn from our sins, we can't receive the Holy Spirit. But once we repent, we receive the Holy Spirit, then we can set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Nowhere in the New Testament are you going to find a place where the Ten Commandments are rendered void and null. You will find that we are called to live out the righteous requirements of the commandment. But you're not going to find that they've been nullified. Think back to Moses after he returned from the mountain. I think this is something we miss with the commandments. And this is what we don't quite get. We don't think of the commandments as laws, lists, regulations. Please, I want to work that out of here this morning. In Christ, that's not the purpose. So think back to Moses after he returned from the mountain with God. And he returns to the Israelites. He has the Ten Commandments. And Moses, being with God for the last 40 days, he radiates the glory of God. He has this weird glow about him. And how do the Israelites react? How do the Israelites react to him, to God, and the Ten Commandments? Look at this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. This is right after you read the Ten Commandments. 
Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings because he'd been up there for 40 days. And it had been like a light show up there, right? It's just thunder and lightning and trumpets and all this. So now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then Moses said to them, or then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear you, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. See, Moses determined, I'm going closer to God. But the rest of the Israelites were saying, that's not happening. You go for us. You go before us, and we'll stand at a distance. You go talk to God for us, we'll listen to what he says. But that's not the intent. That was not the purpose. God didn't give us a, them, this, this light show and, and all these things to scare them that they wouldn't talk to him. He wanted them to understand who he was. He is almighty God. He has come to meet with them. He wants that respect, that honor. But they're so afraid that they don't want nothing to do with it. They don't want to draw near to God. They want Moses to draw near for them. Church, can I say this? My job as a pastor is not to go up on the mountain, get with God, come back and give you a message. I'm not discounting preaching. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sharing. And hopefully you have a message from God when you're preaching, right? But this shouldn't be the focal point, the center point of your walk with Jesus. You should go with Jesus daily, commune with him, draw closer to him. The, it's not just an open door for a pastor. Each and every one of you have the same favor that I have. You, we just have to take advantage of it. And my job is to encourage, encourage you to draw nearer and have that relationship with God for yourself. God's desire in revealing to Israel the commandments was not for them to pull away from him, God's desire for the children of Israel was for them to draw near to him. Remember, God is righteous. God is holy. God wants his people to approach him in that same manner. But the people are saying, we don't want to go near. Send Moses. The commandments were not given for us to draw away from God. The commandments were for us to bring us ourselves near to God. And that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. And the Ten Commandments were designed to bring Israel closer to God. But again, Israel decided that Moses should move near for them. But that's not the intention of the law or the commands. So here's my, my, my challenge to you. And again, many churches function this way. Again, not, I, I, I love when you come to church. I love to preach. I love to teach. But I hope, my hope, my prayer is for you is this, that every time you walk away, you are challenged to draw near to God yourself. Because your relationship with God doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. And I hopefully I can encourage you to draw closer to him. Each of the commandments, when you read the Ten Commandments, each one has a spiritual principle that gives life. Each of the commandments are meant to bring us closer to God, not further from God. And it's my hope that through this series, that's what we'll do. We're going to draw closer to God. And the commandments can be separated into two categories. When you read the Ten Commandments, there's two categories for the Ten Commandments. And they can be broken down to four and six. The first four will deal with your relationship with God. Your last six will deal with your relationship with other people. 
And this really makes more sense when you think about what Jesus said in the New Testament, and he was asked this question. A teacher came to him and said, which of the law, which of the commandments is the greatest? I want to know which one is. So this is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came to him and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And we see in the, old, we see in the law, or we see in the, the Ten Commandments, four of the commandments deal with our relationship with God. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. And the last six deal with our love for one another. Jesus said the law and the prophets can be summarized into that one statement. See, we're seeing the principles that Jesus detailed in the New Testament already being revealed in the Old Testament. Again, the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of the New Testament. The Ten Commandments all hinge on those two principles, how we love God first and how we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the Ten Commandments are ten principles that the Holy Spirit will empower us to live. And the commandments are ten spiritual principles that will draw us closer to God. So this is what I want to challenge you at the start of this new year. And while I don't want to make it trivial, I know that most people, or some people will, will make a New Year's resolution. We know most New Year's resolutions tank, and I don't want to make it trivial. But I would like to say this. There is something significant about the beginning of a calendar year, right? It's just, it marks a new, a sense of newness. So I got to thinking about this verse here in Lamentations 3.22. Though the Lord's mercies, through the, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because of his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. And I got to thinking about that. If God's mercies are new every morning, then we ought to take advantage of that. And I don't mean this, that we take advantage of it to this. We're going to sin and do what we want and receive mercy. We're going to take mercy. We're going to take advantage of the mercy he extends us to do the right thing, to draw closer to him. And I hope that's what we're going to do throughout this series, is to move closer to God. May I remind you, his mercies are new for you every day. Sin will separate you from God, but his mercies are new every day. And God created us in his likeness and image for one purpose, and that was for relationship. Listen, God, think about all the, the wonderful things God created. Only you and I are made in his likeness and his image. Only you and I can receive his spirit. God wants a relationship with you and I. He wants us to draw closer to him. And we're going to see that throughout the commandments as we go through this series. I need to close there.